0: We are on our journey through the book of Romans. We are in chapter twelve. We're slowing down into a couple of verses. Last week, this week, we'll pick up speed again. But this week, we're in Romans twelve, verse twelve, and uh, I'm just going to read verse eleven and twelve. Paul, he's not just throwing out random ideas. He is he is continuing to very methodically, very deliberately teach. And uh, last week we had a triad of words and we delved into those and this week he gives a new triad. I believe they belong together and so we're just going to spend some time this week uh, drilling down into the, uh, the riches that are here. So we're in Romans chapter 12, we're going to read verses 11 and 12. Hear the word of God. Paul says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning into your presence, and we want all these things to be true of us, that we would not be slothful in our zeal, but that we would be fervent in your Spirit, serving you. Father, we want the joy to... The joy of all the hope that we have in Christ, to rejoice in joy and to be patient in tribulation and our suffering and to always be in prayer, to be talking to you. And so, Father, would you write these things on our souls, open our hearts and our minds that we might not just understand them, but that they might shape our souls in the way that we think and live and walk before you day by day. For we ask and pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We live in the in-between, in the overlap of ages. Christ has come. Our salvation, our redemption is accomplished. The battle has been won. Jesus has bound the strong man and he is looting his house. He is gathering his church, building his church against the very gates of hell. The first fruits of a new age have come as He has poured out His Spirit and gathers His church and we march toward a culmination in history. And yet we're waiting. We're, we're waiting for that fullness. We're waiting for the consummation. We're waiting for the, the, all that He has accomplished in one to come in its fullness as He comes in power and glory. David Brioni's It's written, he says, we already possess every spiritual blessing in Christ. But we don't experience the fullness of these blessings yet. In one sense, we're already adopted. We're redeemed and sanctified and saved. And yet, in another, these experiences are not yet fully ours. We live for now in the overlap of these ages. Christ has come. Christ will come again. And verse 12 captures this tension. The tension in which you and I must live until Jesus comes back. It's a tension we've talked about before as the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. Already what Jesus has accomplished and promised. In the incarnation. In His life, death, and resurrection. But will not be completed until His return. Will not be fully consummated and experienced by us. And so in verse 12, he says, we are to rejoice in hope. That's the already of what he has accomplished and done. And yet we are to be patient in tribulation in the not yet of this moment. And we're to do that constant in prayer. So Paul is telling us how to live in the in-between. He's telling us how to do it. How to experience life. How to hold together this idea of both promise and pain. And they're the reality that all of us will live in until you go home, till the Lord calls you home, or until he comes back. We live in this tension between this the promise, the truth, the already, and the pain, the tribulation, the now, until he comes. And so Paul is talking about how the past and the future relate to our present experience. Our past, Christ's past, what he has done how he has saved us, and how he relates that in the future that he's coming again, and how that all relates to our current experience. And he talks about it here in terms of patience and prayer, joy, worship, praise, patience, and prayer. And so in verse 12, he says, we are to rejoice in hope. The words rejoice and hope mean exactly the same in English that they do in the Greek. We are to find joy, rejoice, express our joy in the hope that he has given. The hope that is ours. It's the exact same. In the Greek, it's, the order is reversed. The Greek word order is a little different than English. Actually, the Greek is a little bit more like uh, Yoda speak. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, in hope, Rejoice. As he would, he reverses things. But that's where he does. He, he starts, though, and often they prioritize what they want you up front, the, the, the thing that they want to drive in. And in hope, we are to rejoice. That's how we are to respond. Our, fegul- our Father regularly calls you and I to joy and to hope throughout. As you read the New Testament, how it, our Father's calling us to joy, and He's calling us to hope. But but he does it knowing that we live in a constant context of tribulation, of suffering. But he calls us. And so the text reminds us that our joy must flow from our hope. It is in hope that we rejoice. The joy flows from the hope, it's in the hope that we rejoice. And this is important because, in other words, he's not talking about fake cheerfulness. Right? He's, not, he's not talking about pasting on a smile, right? Not talking about a generic Christian niceness. He's not saying, just be happy." He's saying that we are to find joy, we're to be filled with praise. As the Word of Christ dwells in us richly, the, the word about Christ, the word of the gospel, the word about God invading history, about taking on our humanity, right? Of living the life we failed to live and, and dying the death that we deserve to die, paying the penalty of our sin on the cross. We're to find joy. We are to express our worship in the hope that we have in Christ, the truths and the Promises. We stand in possession of and in the position of, as I said a moment ago, every spiritual blessing that is ours. It's where we stand. If you remember back in Romans 5, verse 2, where he said that we also have obtained access by faith into this this grace in which we stand, it's our position before him, a place of grace. Of all that is ours in Him. And then he says, And so we rejoice in the hope. We rejoice. We find joy in the hope of the glory of God and what He has given and what He has promised in the gracious place in which we stand in Christ. So we stand in the hope of the glory of God. And so... He chose us before the foundations of the world. At the right time, Christ came and Jesus lived and He died for us and paid the penalty of our sin. And in time, God brought you and I from death into life and opened our eyes that we might see and He brought us to faith in Christ, called us by His Spirit out of darkness into light, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, made us His own sanctified and in a sense set us apart and raised us and seated us with Christ he saved and redeemed he loved and he accepted he adopted and he protected and he will never leave us nor forsake us as he has promised to the day that he comes back he's begun a good work in you and he said he's going to carry that work on he's carrying it on every day He's at work in your life. Making you more like Jesus. He started something and He said He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Until He comes back. until the, It becomes already again when He comes back. God is our Father. Christ is our Brother. The Holy Spirit is our Comforter. Heaven is our true home. I'm just trying to gather it all together and to say when he says to rejoice in hope. What is our hope? The list is long. The hope is certain and rich and profound and eternal and gracious and ours. And he says in in these things we are to rejoice. We were doing it this morning. We sing and we praise and we respond and we remember all these things. This is how we do it in the in-between. We gather the truths and we let the word about Christ and all these things dwell in us richly. And in these hopes we rejoice and we live in hope and in the joy of knowing Him and loving Him and walking with Him and living under His promises and His grace. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says our citizenship is is in heaven. And from it we are waiting for a Savior. Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. And He will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body, citizens of heaven, awaiting the resurrection and the full likeness of Him, the consummation of all that He has accomplished in remaking us in His own image. When we see Him face to face, He says, we will be like Him. David Briones says again, faith in Christ Secures our physical resurrection in the not yet. But faith in Christ also results in a spiritual resurrection in the already. And we've already experienced that if you're in Christ. And these two are inseparable. We will enter eternal life then because we have eternal life now. It is in hope that we rejoice. That we find joy, that we worship, that we praise and stand before Him day by day and week by week in the certain hope of all that He has promised. We experience joy in the overwhelming, soul flooding, heart wrenching glories of our redemption. Because He's already, in a sense, given us a deposit that all these things are true and all these things are yours. He's given us a down payment, a guarantee of the fuller blessings that are to come. He guaranteed them with a down payment. The living, loving, comforting, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So we're like, there's a wealthy father, really wealthy. He has a billion dollars. There's some fathers, I forget, there's a list of billionaires in, in the world. So one of these billionaires, right, puts... A couple of billion dollars in trust for his son. He doesn't get to have full access to that trust until he's 25. But in the meantime, the father graciously arranges for provisional payments, installments to, to live on. And so day by day, he has the enjoyment of, in a sense, down payments on the inheritance that will one day fully be his. The size and magnitude of which is hard to imagine. I don't know about you, but when you put that many zeros on something, I, I, my eyes go glassy. I can't, it's so far from my daily experience, I, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to put gas in my car, right? <laughs> but he has these down payments that he lives on day by day, and he has the enjoyment of them. But there's also sort of in those down payments what he gets to live on day by day is the, is the certainty that those are down payments out of out of the full inheritance, right? That it's, it's in a sense a guarantee and a certainty that as I, I have these installments, these provisional payments until the day when the fullness of it will be mine. We'll enter into the full ownership, the full experience, into the full joy of the Father's inheritance. And that day is coming and He's given us in the meantime, in the in-between, in the overlap of the ages, the down payment. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, We who know Christ and love Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and he is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day we come of age until the day that we acquire the full possession of it to the praise of his glory we are sealed and awaiting the blessed the blessing and the consummation of all that he has promised we rejoice in this hope we should and the word and that these truths need to dwell in us richly for the joy of them to well up in worship, to to know the truths and to to live in them. It's one reason we gather week by week Is sitting under the word of God is to, to have those truths proclaimed to our souls, to let Him speak those truths to us afresh, so that in that hope we can rejoice. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it again. You guys, rejoice. And he says always. Why? Because these things are always true. You wake up tomorrow. His mercies are new every day. Everything that I just talked about is true for you tomorrow morning, no matter what happens today. On the day that we're preparing to go home, all those things is true. They never change. They never move. They're the rock on which we stand. And rejoice in the Lord always, because these are always true, even in the midst of tri- tribulation, which is where he goes on and says, be, rejoice in the hope that is ours, and be patient then in tribulation. Be patient then in the not yet, that it's not yet. Patient in the in-between, right? We're in the, we're in the time of down payments and, and waiting, we we're, we're, we, we have what we need day by day. His grace is sufficient. We have the foretaste of those blessings. And we know His love and His grace which is written on our souls. And so we, we live though in the, the not yet. In the tension of the fact that all those things are true. And yet we suffer. And and We will. We will. The, patience, the word patience here, I will say, is not the normal word for patience. There is a normal word for be patient that uh, you and I would uh, know, just know the, the, the definition of and understand what we mean. But when he says patient here, it's interesting. I always wonder how they make their choices in translation. The word that he uses here is almost always everywhere else translated as endurance or long-suffering. Right? The idea of suffering long and enduring through something. So the idea that he's saying here is that we need to, to continue firm, to, to persevere, to be strong in the midst of tribulation. To stand firm in the midst of our struggle and our suffering is the idea. It's not just about being patient in a more general sense. Tribulation here, the word "thlipsis" is literally the pressure being put on something, being pressed together, being... Press down. It's the word that's used in the New Testament to, to, to hit this, the general idea of suffering. It's a, that word picture that means, as one lexicon put it, suffering that is brought on by outward circumstances. That's where the idea of pressure comes on. Whether it can be persecution, but it could also be sickness. It can be all kinds of things loss in our life, the loss of a job, loss in broken friendships and relationships and marriages and the suffering that goes on in the world and our own sickness. And all of this is, in a sense, a, a, an affliction and oppression. It's trouble of all kinds that, that come from living in a fallen world. And he says, we need to endure and understand this comes after. And I do believe there is an order to the things that Paul is saying, that we rejoice in hope. In our hope, we're finding joy. And that flowing from that then is the ability to endure and to to suffer long, to, to stand firm and to be strong and to have courage in the midst of the things that we will suffer on our way home. And we do and we will. Peter says, don't be surprised by the suffering. It's as, as if something surprising or unusual is happening to you. Welcome to the fallen, broken world. And there's only, unless Jesus comes back, there's only one way out. And we'll all go the way of all flesh. And that means all kinds of difficulties in between. Paul is saying that our joy and the hope of the gospel fuels our patience in the midst of the current things that we have to suffer in the in-between, in the the not-yet, as we wait for the fullness of all those things that He has promised and that we enjoy in some small way now. We are a people of certain hope living in a world full of certain tribulation. They're both certain. Which is why we need to find joy in our hope. And strength and courage To endure in our tribulation. It is our hope and our joy that fuels the now and strength and courage. I don't know about you, but I come to worship. I look forward to worship. right? And And whether it's in my corporate times or in my private times. And I come away fueled, so to speak. Full of the Spirit. Strengthened for what May be coming in my life and happening around me in a current day. Romans 5, 2 to 5 says this: We rejoice in hope, right? Same thing. The exact same thing. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which is that day when that glory will be revealed in power and in, in salvation. But not only that, he says, while we're rejoicing in hope and this glory that God is promising, that we also rejoice, in a sense, in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. There's our word, that concept, that endurance, which produces character, and character produces Hope, we've come full circle. We rejoice in hope and as we find God faithful and strengthening and encouraging us and as we endure more, our faith grows and strengthens and our hope is more and more certain. And here is where it all flows from. We talked about the bubbling fervency of the Spirit in the last verse because God, God's love has been poured out in a down payment in, in the initial right now experience, in the initial right now presence, comfort and strength in our life. He has poured out His love into our lives by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And I love that he, where Paul... Here he's summarizing things he's said already, right? This is back in Romans 5. He's summarizing, but he's given the more fullness of this rejoicing and patience and understanding the the poured out presence of Christ in our lives, the indwelling Christ through whom we can do all things, in whom we endure and find courage in the midst of whatever it is. James 5, 7 to 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, until that time, that day comes when this in between, not yet, becomes the fully now. We see the farmer how he waits for precious fruit on the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. And you also, my friends, as understanding that God is producing in our own lives, that he, is, that he is sanctifying us and making us more and more like Christ as we move toward that day, strengthening our faith, strengthening our hope, leading us into joy, into worship, all the more as we see the day coming. And He says then, be patient. You also, like the farmer, need to be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand established to be firm, to stand strong, that your hearts would not let go of the hope and the joy that we endure in the midst of all as we wait for the full harvest. In Revelation 1-9, John writes, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, he said, I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation. The suffering that you're going through, he's like, we're in this together. But he says, and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. right? The kingdom and the patience and the endurance that you and I need and long for and are talking about right here, he says they are in Christ Jesus. This is why he immediately says we need to pray all the time. As a way of life, you need to be talking to Jesus. You need to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and pray all the time. Talk to Jesus all the time. Because the patience and the endurance that you long for and that you need to make it to the end is in Christ Jesus. He is the source and the one who can 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 give to us what we need and that's why these are not randomly thrown together ideas. He is deliberately training our hearts in this spiritual sequence. He is trying to train us and I pray that that is what God is doing in your soul and mine this morning as we learn to rejoice in hope, as we're patient in our suffering and praying all the time. This is training our souls for living in the in-between and facing everything that you're facing every day. He says this is how you do it this is where you live be constant which means that spend a lot of time in other words by persevering in prayer we're able to persevere in tribulation by walking close to jesus and talking to him pouring out our souls to him casting our cares upon him you know resting in his arms falling into his presence Finding in Him the grace and the comfort and the hope that we need to endure the things that He's going to call you to endure before you get home. So we need, when He says, let prayer be your constant companion, it's the same thing as saying, let Jesus be your constant companion. Because prayer is nothing other than talking to Jesus, talking to God. And When He talks, we call this prayer prayer he's just saying the dialogue of your soul the dialogue of your heart let it be with your God let it be with your savior reach out to him turn to him in the midst of your tribulation where you need to endure and you need grace it's in Christ Jesus our father holds our past redemption and our present suffering and our future glory all of them he holds in his sovereign hands. And so he says, be constant in prayer. Pray all the time. Walk with Jesus. Abide in Jesus. In a lifestyle of prayer. Finding joy and finding strength to endure. That's so where Romans chapter 8. As I say, Paul's summarizing things he's been teaching us for the last 11, 12, 11 chapters. And so Romans 8, he had said this, For I consider the sufferings of this prison time, in the not yet, in the overlap of the ages before he comes again, I consider the sufferings, the slipsis, the, the tribulation, the stuff we got to go through in the present times, not worth being compared to the glory, the hope that we have and that we rejoice in in Christ. So it's in hope that we rejoice and it fuels our endurance in what is, according to Paul, not worth being compared to what's coming. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing as we should hope for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. That's us for the full revealing and the resurrection of our bodies and the, and the transformation into the lightness of Christ. The, the whole creation is waiting for the day when it will be remade and so will we who know Him and love Him. It's groaning toward the day. Living toward that day longing for the revealing, not not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits, the down payments, the, the beginnings of all that work in us by His Spirit who He's poured out. We groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning and we're waiting, eagerly waiting. I don't know if that's how you're waiting, but He says it should be eager that the joy in our hope is so strong that there's actually an eager expectation for that day when he either brings me home or comes back. Because it's going to be not just a glorious day, but a world ending, world remaking, age ending day. We groan and we wait. These present sufferings are in tension in our souls with the coming glory. And this groaning that he talks about, I think of it as involuntary. I mean, a groan is usually something that slips out of you. Like you pick something, oh, right? There's a groan or you're dealing with something and sometimes someone will give a heavy sigh or a groan and you'll look at them and you'll be like, what? You're like, I don't know, it just slipped out. Right? Whatever I was thinking out, it came out in a sigh, it came out in a noise, right? It, it's the involuntary, in many ways for me, this groaning that he's describing, an involuntary rising of the soul to God. Desire and prayer. Right? Which is where Paul goes in Romans 8, after he talks about this eager waiting in the midst of our suffering that aren't worth to be compared to what's coming and then he goes on in Romans 8:25 and he says but if we hope and the joy that, the hope that we find joy in for what we don't see because it's the not yet we, we wait for it with patience with with endurance we have to wait but likewise the spirit then helps us he turns to prayer right this is he is summarizing in verse 12 Romans the middle of Romans 8 and so we, we hope and we wait in patience, and then the Spirit helps us pray, to pray for as we ought to pray. The Spirit himself is interceding for us. He's giving us, sometimes giving us words, sometimes helping to just, I guess, translating our groans to, to the Father or, or groaning within us. There's this, there's this interaction, and this is kind of the point of it, is it our interaction, our hearts should be with our Father. There's so many ways that we deal with suffering and tribulation and too often we go too long in it without our souls opening up and dealing directly with the Father. The Sovereign One who holds the redemptive past and your suffering present and the glories which are to come. The Father who gives us His Spirit and how this turns The Spirit Himself intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. My friends, if you have lived long enough, and there are those within the sound of my voice this morning, here in this room and watching online, there are those in the sound of my voice who have suffered profoundly. And I don't know how in touch we are, you know, it's one of the privileges of of my perspective. Is that I know a, a lot of what's going on with most of you. And you're not always aware of all that goes on in our midst. But my friend, we suffer profoundly. There are people in the sound of my voice who have lost parents, who have lost siblings, brothers, and sisters, who have lost children, who have lost grandchildren. The long list of losses and struggles and suffering and this will be our experience until we go home it's the nature of this world and despite what some churches out there will tell you you're not exempt they're not exempt often the disillusionment comes when the suffering comes what rises from the soul as we travel toward home in the joy of the hope that is ours in christ and in the suffering what rises from the soul is a longing prayer, a longing for heaven, a longing for his presence, a longing for the perfection, a longing for the healing. Sometimes we can find words for it, sometimes we can't, sometimes it's in groaning, sometimes someone will pray it for you. But flipsis, tribulation is the nature of this world that remains, as Paul says elsewhere, under the power of the evil one. And I don't know about you. This is my experience. This is I watch the news. Right? Is there is there not a groaning that rises in you? The shooting in, in Uvalde. I'm a parent, and now I'm a grandparent. And you just, if you can empathize, if you could just put yourself in the place of one of those parents. And and the and the and it's not the way that it's supposed to be. The the evil and the brokenness and the pain and just the pain that people, that we will be called to go through. Another shooting here in Chattanooga, and another shooting and another shooting. We got the war in Ukraine. I'm a little bit of a buff. I I love history and I study war, but I also pay attention to the war and tens and tens of thousands of dead. In each of these cities, there's some there are tens of thousands of dead as they've leveled cities and sent the largest refugee crisis in modern history the amount of suffering and people taking advantage of people in those situations. I find I'm just saying, do you not find yourself groaning? And when we watch these things or hear these things, it's not as though something surprising is happening. There are wars and rumors of war until the the end, right? Like that's how it ends. More wars and rumors of wars. And more ungodliness and rebellion. I find my soul groaning. I find myself praying for people I don't know. Praying for parents in Uvalde. God have mercy on them. Grant them strength and endurance and courage in the midst of tribulation and suffering. Some of those parents are probably Christian. Let me leave you with this prayer from Colossians this morning. There's a beautiful prayer in the first chapter of Colossians. I love it. It's a spiritual prayer. A lot of Paul's prayers are. He prays for very spiritual things. It's not that there aren't physical things to be praying for, healing and provision and jobs and whatnot, but you don't find Paul praying for them. Paul prays these amazing spiritual prayers that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will with all wisdom and understanding and that he would... That he would enable us to live a life that is worthy of him and, and worthy of his calling. And Paul praises that this, so this is all part of the prayer leading up to what I'm about to read. And in there, it's interesting, they're all his prayer the things we should be praying for. But it's interesting in there, he doesn't pray for power or strength. And for me, I was, I've always been, it's one of the things that I guess God revealed in my heart as I read these things that those are places I would be praying for power, right? To live a worthy life. Right To be holy, to not be. And I'm not saying we don't need power for that. I'm just saying Paul waits. There's only one place in this prayer where he's, he goes after praying down spiritual power in, in a certain magnitude. And it's toward the end of the prayer. And he does it like this. As he's praying for the church in Colossae, may you be strengthened with all of his power according to his glorious might. And you're thinking, what is it that the church has got to do that they need all this power? Endurance and patience with joy, and my friends, in many ways that is where the great need of power comes. It's not that we don't need the presence of power of the Spirit to do anything spiritual, but if we are going to endure, right? If we are going to have joy in the hope and patience in the suffering, we are going to need to be strengthened with all power according to His. Glorious might for this endurance and patience with joy because of the hope we have, giving thanks to our Father who's qualified us to share in this inheritance. We pray down this power in the already to endure and to make it home. The most certain, There's, we are a people of certain hope in a world of certain suffering. And what brings them together is this prayer. And the the constant prayer. Praying all the time. And it's not like you have to plan it. Just as you encounter life. (laughs) We groan and we pray. Because the endurance and patience we need is in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we turn our hearts to you. And we... We read here the story of our own experience and the story of our own lives, the story of the hope you've given us in Jesus and the joy that we find even as we've gathered this morning to sing and to pour out our hearts in worship to you. And yet, Father, you know the suffering represented in our midst, the tribulation and, oh, Father, the need for the power and your strength and your grace to endure what sometimes is just unendurable. Oh, mercy of God. Would you write these things deep in our soul and train us spiritually to live in this in-between that we may endure, that we may come home with hearts full of joy. Father, we thank you that you love us and you have not left us alone, but you have poured out your Spirit and you hear our prayers that you might be our hope, our strength, our courage. We look to you for all that we need. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.